When you enrich the lives of your employees through purpose-powered leadership, they'll grow your business for you. Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where you'll discover how to champion a culture of courage and love. Stop dealing with symptoms and get to the root of the problems in your business. This is the Higher Purpose Podcast with your host, Kevin Monroe. Here we are in episode 57 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Monroe. Thanks for listening. Seriously. I love the opportunity to connect and always appreciate when you respond and we have a chance to interact and engage. Recently, I'm enjoying an increase in the conversations in real life, real time connecting with several of you. Here's an example. A couple of weeks ago, Courtney shared a post on LinkedIn about one of the podcast episodes that introduced a bunch of people to the podcast that didn't previously know about it and led to a phone call with Tom. Tom and I had a fabulous conversation. Well, John reached out and said how much episode 55 with Kevin Breeding had impacted him. That led to a conversation. Hey, I really enjoy getting to know you and hearing how these podcast conversations inspire and encourage you. That's what this is all about, inspiring and encouraging you to embrace and pursue purpose in business, leadership, and life. Now, back to that topic of listening. That's the focus of today's conversation with Oscar Tremboli. We met via LinkedIn back in 2015. Earlier this year, Oscar sent me a gift copy of his book, Deep Listening. The moment I started reading the book, I knew we had to have Oscar join us here for a conversation. What Oscar has to share is so vital to leading and living with higher purpose. Now, I need to forewarn you about something. This conversation is different. I knew it would be. And I had a sense that there would be pauses in our conversation. Pauses that make many of us uncomfortable and create opportunities or times when we want to rush to fill that vacuum of silence with anything. You're going to hear several pauses. I've asked our engineering team to keep them in. When you hear pauses in today's conversation, it's not a technical difficulty. It's where Oscar and I were leaning into deep listening. I invite you to join us now and do the same. Lean in to this conversation on deep listening. I believe it will pay rich dividends in your life. Hello, Oscar. We're so excited to have you join us on the Higher Purpose Podcast. As you know, I'm excited to talk to you today about listening. What's something you feel is important for us to know about you that helps us connect with you? I learned to swim as an adult only five years ago uh, where I was watching a bunch of ocean swimmers go outside the heads of Sydney and swim uh, four kilometers on a very blustery Sydney summer day and I was walking with my wife and we were watching from a headland and uh, she said, hey, super coach, you tell everyone to face their fears. 
I challenge you to swim this race next year. And you could feel the blood drain from my face. Could feel the blood drain from my fingertips. And it was a moment which every fear in my life about the ocean came to the surface. And I said to Jenny, you got to give me 24 hours to think about that. She said, sure. So I rang three people that I really trust. One of them is the adult swim coach and said, help. (laughs) (laughs) I have been challenged by the person who knows me the best to do something she knows is going to make me fear everything about the process. And uh, over the course of the next four months, I worked with Judy, an adult swim coach, to swim in a pool where I wasn't able to swim the length of the pool. I was struggling to swim the width of the pool. So Mm. my trade was Sunday evening, 4 p.m. In the middle of winter, Judy would train me and she'd come back to our house for a bowl of bean soup, which she really loved. And uh, she just said, trust the process, Oscar. I've done this before with others. And I did. And weeks and months went by. And eventually, I could swim the length of the pool. And eventually, I could swim 20 lengths of the pool. And eventually, I could swim 40 lengths. But there was the ocean. And (laughs) so when I went to the ocean, For the first week, we literally sat on the beach. We didn't go into the water as my surf coach explained to me how waves are formed, noticing where rips come about, noticing who's entering the water well, who's not. And then the following week, all we did was go into the water up to our knees and understand what's involved there. The following week, we went a little bit further and I learned to dive under the waves. And what I was learning was my coach was embedding a whole bunch of very clever micro skills week by week by week. Mm. Eventually, I got out the back, the other side of the surf break, and they said, okay, time to swim. And I could not swim 20 meters. I couldn't swim without my lungs bursting. My face was red. I was freaking out. And my coach decided to swim underneath me and said to me, you're not breathing out. And I said, yeah, I'm not breathing out. She said, didn't you breathe out in the swimming pool? I said, obviously not. She goes, you really didn't listen to me, did you? (laughs) What we have to do is breathe out. So we went back to the pool for two weeks and did a remedial class in how to breathe properly while swimming. And she said, it's extraordinary. You've been able to swim two kilometers nonstop without breathing out. Imagine what you can do when you know how to breathe properly. And then it's one of my lessons about Mm. the importance of listening. Mm. Oscar, what else? What other life lessons or leadership lessons or listening lessons did you carry with you from this experience? The skills 
that you learn in a controlled environment won't prepare you for changing conditions, for dynamic systems like an ocean, unless you've got your micro skills right. Wow. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> and for a lot of the leaders who are listening to this right now, yeah, that has application on multiple dimensions. Multiple. It's relevant for you as a leader. It's relevant for you about how you think about designing the way your leadership teams embrace change. Mm-hmm. And their teams as well, because all, all leaders are leading people, but ultimately they're leading systems. And as much as we'd like the big change to happen faster, the big change is just a sum of really small changes we need to do every day. So get excellent at those really simple skills, great communication, clear consistent and with cut through is probably the most powerful thing a leader can bring to their team, to their organization, to their system. And the flip side is if you think about the work that Judy was doing with me in the pool, she provided excellent instruction, but there was one skill I hadn't mastered breathing out. Mm. And for a lot of leaders, they ask their teams to do a range of things, but sometimes it's the most basic things that we overlook. Setting a clear goal for your team is something we talk about often, but do we really? Do we really take the time to swim underneath the employee and look up and see, are they breathing out? Are they clear in what they're doing? So that's kind of the perspective that I would take there, Kevin, in terms of that. I think I could probably do a six-hour talk on it, but uh, <laughs> time is short for our listeners. That's right. I, I, wow. I, uh, thanks, Oscar. That, that's, I didn't see that coming, but um, you know, I, I know to expect surprises in our conversation today. So thanks for sharing that. Right. I want to ask you, I saw on your website, well, first place I saw it was on your LinkedIn profile. Then I saw it on your website. Clarity creates change. What creates clarity? Action always precedes clarity. You need to do. I could have theorized many times about swimming in the ocean, but it was in doing the clarity around my breathing came to life. Mm. Again, a lot of the leaders I work with come to me and say things like, we want to create planning offsite. And I say, that's great. I can recommend some wonderful facilitators and consultants who can do that. I don't do that. I create action offsites because putting people in the room mm. and getting clear is half the job. The second half of the job is to get clear on the action. And if you don't have half your agenda set aside to put a plan in place for the action, it's an interesting talk fest. One I won't participate in is three other people you can work with. Hmm. So action precedes clarity. 
Now, Oscar, when and how did you discover the importance of listening? I think it's only in looking back that I noticed a series of events and stories along the path of my life that put it in place. There wasn't one event. There wasn't one aha moment. There wasn't one lightning bolt Mm -hmm. for me. But my coach did put a mirror to me a couple of years ago. And as I was telling him the story of the son of two first-generation migrants from war-torn Italy who came to Australia, and I was in a school where I was part of 23 other nationalities from war-torn Cambodia, from Laos, from Pinochet's Chile in South America, from Argentina, from Uruguay, from Eastern Europe. It was an amazing melting pot. And what I learned in hindsight is I became a connector across the Australians or English speakers at our school as well as those with English as a second language. I was a connector between the teachers and the students through my leadership work at school already. And I was also a connector between the jocks and the nerds, whether they were academic or sporty. I did both and I became a connector between the two. And what I realized was in hindsight, I was listening differently to those people and trying to find what was common as well as what was distinct. We also played a lot of foreign card games at our school at lunchtime and probably even within class. And uh, whether they were Italian card games or, or Chinese card games, you learn to listen to the opposition player's face if you were going to become good at the game. And I think that's where I started to tune into listening to what you see rather than just listening to what people say. Another event was during my time at uh, Microsoft as a marketing director. I'm really passionate about next generation leadership and I was always involved heavily in graduate recruitment and I was standing at a graduate recruitment fair one day and just people were continuously walking past our Microsoft stand and I'd ask a couple of people, you know what, I know you've walked past, I'm just curious why and I'm not a software developer. I wouldn't want to work at Microsoft and I said, oh, would you know that we employ accountants and lawyers and communication specialists and human resources specialists and operations specialists, salespeople, marketing people? And they went, oh, wow, no, I didn't know that. So I went to our managing director and said, our graduate program's broken. I'm going to come back in a month to present to the leadership team. And what I did was I went and interviewed every current graduate, every person we made an offer for in the last two years that had turned down an offer at Microsoft and people who were graduates who left Mm. either went to Microsoft competitors. And it was in this process of listening that I discovered what was really required. I got the current graduate team to present the case for change to our leadership team. And I'd only 
listened to what they'd had to say. They created a program which was experiential. So we went to each university and think of something like uh, America, you've got talent, and where people would be given a Microsoft challenge. They would need to present the answer as a team of four in a bunch of regional semi-finals and then ultimately a national final. And the winning team of four would get to implement that idea as an internship over a period of six months. And that created a, a tremendous change in the way our brand was perceived by university graduates, so much so that the program got taken to 26 subsidiaries around the world. And what I learned from that is the answer's always there if you listen deeply enough. And then the last one is I really had a challenge recruiting new staff at Microsoft, particularly for internal transfers, because I was renowned for one thing, and that was if you wanted to join our team, you needed to be in the call center and listen to customer problems and tell me the one thing you would change as a result of listening to those customer problems. It wasn't enough to look at a set of slides that our market research company had created. I wanted you to hear directly from mm -hmm. customers who were calling our contact center with problems with Microsoft Office or Word or PowerPoint or our database systems or whatever the case may be. And I did the same with our marketing agencies as well. But you can see throughout my decades, there was this theme of, of listening. It just wasn't overt to me. And then two years into um, my five-year coaching journey, my coach said to me, some coaches are experts on messages. They could be the coach that's an expert for introverts. They could be the coach that's the expert for financial services. Fortunately for you, your expertise is a process and the process is listening. And if you could codify what you know about listening, you could change the world. Mm. And I said, wow, I never thought of it that way. I came back two months later and said, I have a, a goal I'm scared to share, but I'm going to. Between now and 2030, I want to touch 10 million people in the world and teach them how to become deep listeners. And my coach said, do you think you can achieve that in your lifetime? And I said, oh, yeah, I can see it very clearly. You're not trying hard enough. Make it 100 million. And it was that same moment that my wife was walking over that clifftop watching the swimmers where the blood drained out of my body and I realized that this is the path I needed to take and my quest between now and 2030 is to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. Well, Oscar, help us understand what deep listening is, please. Very simply, most people listen in black and white. And deep listening is about listening in color. Hmm. Deep listening is about going beyond hearing and listening to the words, listening to the body language, listening for the meaning, and listening for what's unsaid. 
and we can spend some time um, picking those if you like. Yeah. Okay. So you that are listening to this conversation, I'm going to interrupt to say Oscar has this book. The book is called Deep Listening. Before we push the record button, I was telling Oscar how inspirational this book has been to me in so many ways. So we're going to unpack a little of this. And what's amazing, this is a little book, but it is one of the most profound books that's come my way. So let's go into this, Oscar. And you've said several things already. I'm looking for the thread and trying to pull the thread through. And this is way different than what I had prepared for. You know that. Oscar, in your book, there's this sentence, listening happens before hearing commences. Now, when I read that, it lit me up, but I'm sure some people are, you know, have this, huh? Look, I thought listening and hearing were the same thing, or I thought I was hearing first, then I began listening. So walk us through that, if you will. Hearing is your birthright. At 20 weeks in your mother's womb, you're hearing before you do see, before you breathe independently, before you can smell, you learn to hear. At 32 weeks, you can distinguish Beethoven from Bon Jovi. And for most of us, listening is our birthright. Mm. Yet the minute we come into the world kicking and screaming, we forget all of that and all we start to do is talk. One of the things about hearing is it's the first thing you learn, but also when you die, it's the last sense that leaves our body. So hearing in many ways is the beginning and the end. Hmm. The distinction between hearing and listening is listening is an intention you set before you commence. Hearing happens all the time. In fact, while you're sleeping, the only sense that's still operating on a conscious level is your hearing. So even when we're sleeping, our hearing is on, but we're not listening. Subconscious mm -hmm. is listening. The fight or flight is somebody going to come in and you know, scare us in the middle of the night, our hearing is on. Mm. So the distinction is hearing is about processing sounds. Listening is an intention to make sense of what the sounds are, whether that's linguistically or it may be as simple as, oh, there's an emergency service, a siren, I best be on the side of the road. Mm. So listening is set by an intention. Now, most people think listening is about the other person. It's about the speaker. And most listening literature starts and finishes here. And it's a shame. The first person you need to listen to for listening to be deep is yourself. Before you commence any dialogue with anybody else, you first need to listen to yourself. The reason you need to listen to yourself is it's impossible to listen to somebody else if you have a whole movie playing in your head about 
what just happened, what's going to happen in this conversation. I've got to put the trash out tonight. What have I got to make for dinner? I've got a guest coming this evening. What would they like for dinner? I've got that report I've got to get out. And it's happening right now for you who's listening. Mm -hmm. You're distracted. Mm. And so your capacity to be present, to listen to what Kevin and I are saying is dramatically reduced because you're still listening to yourself. In listening to ourselves, we need to create space in our mind to enable the conversation to enter. Just like a computer, most of us have a fixed amount of memory we can process a conversation in. Unfortunately, most of the time, that bit of memory is completely overloaded by distraction, whether that's a, a cell phone, a tablet, a computer, uh, it could be a report you're looking at, it could be while you're driving. If you are not present for the conversation, you cannot be deeply listening to the other party. You need to listen to yourself first. A lot of people ask me, that's great, Oscar, but that doesn't help. What do I actually do about that? Yeah. And the research is really clean. In 1993, in a university in Canada, that did an amazing piece of research that has been replicated in Germany and in the United States since. And it says this, the deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen. And if you're in a really productive dialogue, the breathing between the speaker and the listener is actually synchronized. Now you sit there and you go, really? Is it that simple? Just breathe? Yes. Because if you can get oxygen to the brain, the brain is the most hungry organ in our body when it comes to consumption of energy. And if our energy levels in our brain are depleted, mm. it's near on impossible to create a surface area to listen on. So by breathing deeply, and for most of us, it's just noticing our breathing and taking a little deeper breath, it's as simple as doing this. Oxygen will get to the brain as a result of that. The other thing you can do is if you're in a dialogue, have a glass of water handy and make sure that you're getting water into your system as well. A dehydrated system is not a listening optimized system in terms of the physicality of your body. Oscar, when you're talking about breathing, you're not talking about a 10-minute meditation session what I read in the book. I mean, you can do this in as little as how much time before a conversation? 10 seconds. Okay, there you go. So one and way to increase your listening is to just pause, breathe, and go ahead. Listen, listening takes place in many environments. And one of the things I learned from a monk, funnily enough, who's not somebody you they're a monk in business and they said to me for them their meditation is integrated into what they do every day it's not something that's distinct it's not something that you go into a dark room with a candle on and from that i would say for you listening it can be as simple as if you're walking between meeting rooms in an office 
or you step into a building and you're about to go into the elevator, the distance between stepping into the building and getting into the elevator, that can be long enough for you to just to connect with your breathing. Mm. Or the simple act of stepping into a meeting room, between the distance between you stepping into the doorway in a meeting room and sitting down, that's enough for you to connect with your breathing. When I speak from stage and talk about this, a lot of people come up to me afterwards and went, I tried that. It was funny because all of a sudden I could hear the air conditioning in the building. All of a sudden I could hear the hum of my mobile phone. You start to hear so many more things, which sets up a beautiful platform for listening. I love it. I love the practicality of this. Thank you for sharing this with us. Now, there's another question, a part of this that I'm really curious about with you in your experience. What, if anything, do you do when it's obvious the person with whom you're engaged in conversation has got lost in the internal chatter in their mind or something else? And you know when that happens. I, I talk about this in the book, and uh, it's the power of the pause. The most unused tool for most leaders is silence. Mm. In the book, I talk about the 125-400 rule. Yes. that's You can speak at 125 words a minute. You can listen at 400 words a minute. You can think at 900 words a minute. And for that person who's just become lost in their own conversation, what they're trying to do is process 900 words through a vessel that only allows 125 words to come out. And they're trying to structure their mind in a way to be effective for you. So create a space for them to pause by doing the same yourself. Sometimes you may want to make it explicit. Sometimes you may simply just say to them, Kevin, I noticed something just changed for you, Mm. which gives them permission to say, yeah, I'm trying to process so much. I'm just not sure how to say it or whatever their response might be. But you will notice that. And when you're listening at this level, which is listening at the level of energy, You're listening for a congruence between what's coming out of their mouth, what's showing up in their eyes, and what their body is doing. And what you point out there, Kevin, is with no training whatsoever, we know when people get lost. Mm. The training Mm. is about the pause. It's about the silence, and it's about allowing them the time to process it. For most people, the average person spends 55% of their day listening. For leaders, they spend up to 80% of their day listening, but only 2% have been trained in these techniques. Ironically, 82% of us think we're above average car drivers, and 84% of us think we're above average listeners. Mm. For you listening, I'm having fun 
And this is one of the most unusual podcasts I've done. And podcasting is a very interesting medium, right? So there are a lot more gaps here than you try to have in a podcast, but I'm enjoying it. I hope you are as well. There's something I want to build on this, and it's in this 125-400 rule, and it's something that you write in the book. And I was speaking at a conference in Canada a couple of months ago, and a speaker before me said this, and I loved it when she said it. You use different words, but you say the same thing. Listen for what people want to say. Don't get stuck on the words they use. They don't always match is what Arlene Dickinson said. Help us understand that and help us. How do we move beyond that? And how do we not get stuck on the words in, in that 125-400? When I talk about listening in black and white, I'm talking about people who listen only at one level. So the first level is listening to yourself. The next level is listening to the content, which is where most people listen. They listen for the words and occasionally they might listen for body language and, and energy. The next level is listening for context. The next list level is listening for what is unsaid. And the last level is listening for meaning. Mm. For most of us listening in black and white, we're just listening for the content. What are the words? Hmm. I was working with a client two years ago and we were going around the room and we were talking about what this organization could be represented as an animal. I asked them, if this company was an animal, what would it be? Would it be under the water? Would it be on land or would it be in the air? And as we went around the room, everybody described a soaring eagle or an osprey or some bird of flight or some bird of prey. And it was quite inspiring. There was one person who didn't speak, though. So I asked Elaine and I said, I'm curious what you're thinking right now. And she turned to the group and said, Honestly, I think we're a snake. Mm. And the mood of the room changed dramatically. So, Kevin, I'll ask you this. What's going through your mind when Elaine says this about the snake? I'm not real sure. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear, honestly, Oscar. But I'm thinking most folks in the room probably took it very negatively. And for those listening, what do you think they're thinking right now? Thinking the subtlety of a snake or the uh, that a snake often sneaks up on you or you sneak up on it and then there's this panic moment and it's not usually a pleasant experience. Yeah. And I'll just make a listening reflection now for those of you who are watching the podcast. Notice how Kevin's eyes went up and high 
as he had to ponder a little bit more deeply. And this is an example of the level you need to be listening at. So Kevin was not only taking the time, but looking up and right, he was exploring his imagination and he was trying to connect with the words. If he had a ready response, he probably would have looked down and left and accessed it very quickly. So you could see that Kevin was processing real time and how do I join the dots? When I tell this story most times, most of the audience will reflect back in a conversation about exactly what you said. A snake is unpredictable. A snake is violent. A snake is something that we fear. Mm -hmm. And Elaine then said, we're like a snake because amazingly, we shed our skin every season to adapt to the change in the marketplace. <laughs> it is our core power. Wow. It is why we've been able to sustain ourselves as a successful business for the last five years. If we embrace more of the snake and less of the eagle, we're playing to our own strengths. And the meeting transformed from that point on. Now, asking the question, if this organization was an animal, if, hmm. is an example of asking a question to explore meaning. It created a safe environment where she could talk about this in a way that is something that is often unsaid because Elaine was someone who didn't speak up often and yet the most powerful insight for the group. Mm. And they went on to create furry snake mascots and incorporate it into their mm. design and their presentations, and it's part of how they explain their core difference. Mm. I was working with another client, and um, I was speaking to all their people managers, and I asked the same question in a completely different way. I said, I know on this manufacturing site, we've had a lot of challenges in the last three months. Have a chat to your friends. And if this was a movie, what movie would it be? Now, this organization is in an unusual place for manufacturers. They're growing tremendously, and that was putting a lot of pressure on them. But there was this underlying tension and a lot of things that weren't unsaid. And I asked the room and I said, okay, so throw me some movie titles. And we had Mission Impossible and Towering Inferno and Titanic. And you could see the site director's face change. Mm. Not because he came to the realization that these people were speaking up, but by using the metaphorical meaning, Tower Inferno, Mission Impossible, Titanic, the group was able to give voice to something they couldn't say any other way. If you went to the leader and said, you know, <laughs> this place is burning down, you know, the conversation would have been completely different. And it's listening at that level for people that will help create amazing breakthroughs, not just for them, but for the group who's hearing that for the first time. And I, I said, to the group. Now, just go back and go, given all those movies, what would you like the movie to be? 
And mm. that started a completely different dialogue. But for a lot of us, when we're listening, we're just listening transactionally. Mm. We're hearing words and we're effectively playing a word ping pong match. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever seen Olympic level ping pong, but it can go pretty fast. Oh, yes. And what happens is you just burn a lot of energy. You're staying on the same place, but nothing actually progresses. Mm. Mm. So listening beyond the words requires you to listen to context, which is about the backstory, the patterns in their language. It requires you to be conscious to listen to what's not said. And it requires you to explore Mm. what's the real meaning in what they're saying. Oscar, I am blown away looking at the clock and realize we are closing in on the time we have allocated for our conversation. Before we wrap up, I want to invite you to, to speak to us again, recognizing that we're all over the map in where we're at in our listening now. What would you say to invite each of us to take the next step in our journey of deeper listening? If we go back to the beginning of the interview, we talked about micro skills in the swimming pool and in the ocean. And for a lot of people, they want the complex silver bullet. They want to do the ninja double back kick. And what we have to do is learn how to do push-ups on our knuckles. Mm. So for all of us, take 10 extra seconds before we enter a dialogue and notice our breathing. That is the best place to start. It is the foundational place to start. And it is the place that will start to create the clarity you need to make the change Mm. to become a deeper listener. And for people that are interested in learning more, you have a lot of resources. Where would we direct them and to learn more about deeper listening, deep listening? Simply, um, if you visit oscartrimboli.com forward slash books, there's um, not only the book, but there's the playing cards as well. These playing cards are organized so that you can have an intention to work through the cards over the period of 12 months. There's 50 cards, one for each week. We'll give you two weeks off for a holiday. And um, it's organized into the five levels of listening because the five levels of listening are foundational. You need to master the previous level to be excellent at the level above. So if you pop in there, if you love to learn with others, the playing cards are really fun because you can hand them to somebody else and say, hey, this week I'm working on pause, Mm. silence. Here's a card that's going to explain what it looks like. When we're in a conversation, just check me on this and give me some feedback. Give me some feedback if I'm doing it great and give me some feedback if I'm not. And the cards are really great kinesthetic learners and people who love to learn by doing. The book's great. Um, If people want to get some really powerful visual imagery, I think, you know, as we talked about before, Kevin, the, the, the book is designed 
with a great deal of thought mm -hmm. around the visual imagery as well as the words so that people can connect with the images. And then for those of you who love listening to podcasts, just uh, type in Deep Listening Podcast and you'll be able to hear some amazing interviews with professional listeners, suicide counsellors, air traffic controllers, foreign language interpreters, deaf interpreters, high court judges, even FBI hostage negotiators, and you will get a completely different perspective on listening. The one thing I would say is if you want to get a day back in your week, you're going to do it by listening because you spend at least half of your day doing it. And the biggest productivity gains for leaders and systems are by listening more, mm. not learning to speak more effectively. We've spent the last century learning how to speak. We're going to spend the 21st century learning how to listen. There you have it. Oscar, thank you for the generosity of your time, your experience, and just investing in us to help us embrace deep listening. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you. Well, there you have it. The first conversation with Oscar Trimboli. We may have others. That kind of depends on how you respond to this. I'd love to know what's rolling through your mind right now as you've just listened to this. You can email me at kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com. Let me know or call me 678-744-5111. Hey, here's what's lingering in my mind after this fascinating conversation on listening. Oscar shared a powerful phrase that I'm adopting in my conversations and as part of my listening. I noticed something just changed for you. You want to tell me about that? You know, because there are times I can tell people have stopped listening. I can tell something's overloaded their mind. And sometimes I'll just plow through and expect them to catch up. Be so much better to pause, call it out, and allow them to catch up. Secondly, the most unused tool for leaders is silence. What will it take for you to get comfortable with pauses and silence in communication? I know it's difficult. It's challenging. It's uncomfortable. But I want to invite you to give it a chance. If you really want to improve your listening today, there's something you can do right now. Start doing right now before your next conversation. Pause for as little as 10 to 15 seconds and breathe. This is thought-provoking. I encourage you to give it a try today. And I loved Oscar's insight that the biggest productivity gains for leaders and systems come from listening more, not by learning to speak more effectively. Let that soak in and I do hope you'll let me know your thoughts. Hey, until next time, I invite you to take the listening challenge as you continue to live, love, and lead with purpose. 
you for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Remember, if you ever think that your work could be less ordinary, there's not much between you and something extraordinary. Just 13 weeks and a bold experiment. Find out more at 13weekstoextraordinary.com.